and trying to make an honest living. It was a phrase he'd used many times, whenever the police raided his boatyard or one of his pubs. He said it so often, in fact, that Alvin Donaldson had christened him the chairman and his gang the firm. Lytton had been furious. He vowed he'd have Sid's head on a platter. He swore he'd find someone, some honest man, who wasn't afraid to speak the truth who wasn't afraid of Malone and his pack of thugs, and when he did, he'd lock them away for life. He's just blowing smoke, Sid had said. Wants his picture in the papers. It's almost election time. Lily had believed him, but now this cop was sitting here, as bold as brass, and she was no longer sure he was right. She picked up a rag and wiped the bar with it, stealing glances at the man. Is he one of Lytton's? Or someone else's? Why the hell is he here? Lily well knew that where there was one cop, there were usually more. She scanned the room, looking for more unfamiliar faces. If ever a pub deserved to be called a den of thieves, she thought, it's the bark. Dark and low-ceilinged, it sat squeezed between two wharves in Limehouse, on the north bank of the Thames. Its front touched Narrow Street, and its back sagged brokenly over the river. At high tide, you could hear the Thames lapping at the rear wall. She recognized almost every face. Three local blokes were standing by the fire, passing bits of jewelry back and forth. In a corner, four more played cards, while a fifth threw shark's teeth at a dartboard. Others sat clustered around rickety tables or at the bar itself, smoking and drinking, talking too loudly, laughing too hard, bragging and swaggering. Minor villains all. The man this cop was after, well, he didn't brag and he didn't swagger and there was nothing minor about him. He was one of the most powerful, most feared criminal bosses in London, and Lily thought that if this balmy Rosa knew what was good for him, he'd get up and leave now, while his legs still worked. While she continued to watch the man, Desi came bustling out of the kitchen and banged a bowl down in front of him, sloshing broth on his newspaper. One limehouse hot pot, he said. The man stared at the steaming horror. It's fish, he said flatly. Proper Sherlock Holmes, you. What was you expecting, rack of lamb? Pork, I guess. This is Limehouse, isn't it? Not the bloody home counties. That'll be tuppence. The man slid a coin across the bar, then stirred the grey broth with a dirty spoon. Bits of bone and skin whirled through it. A scrap of potato, some celery, a chunk of white flesh. Oi, Lily! Frankie shouted, pointing at his empty glass. Right away, love, Lily said, taking the glass from him. As she put the new pint down, Frankie caught her hand, pulled her toward him, and kissed her cheek. She batted him away. It was an act. They were both laughing, but there was no mirth in their eyes. He kissed her again. Find out what he's after, he whispered in her ear. Then he let her go. Lily knew what to do. 
She served a few more customers, then took a handkerchief from her pocket and made a show of mopping her neck with it. It's like a bloody furnace in here tonight, she said aloud. You lot have me run off my feet. Then she unbuttoned the top of her blouse, fanning herself with her hand. Her soft, freckled bosom was large and firm, so large, in fact, that Sid often joked he could hide his dosh down it. She walked over to the man, placed her hands on the bar, and leaned forward, giving him an eyeful. Something wrong with your supper, love? she asked, smiling warmly. You ain't touched it. The stranger put his spoon down. He hesitated. This ought to be good, she thought. Can't eat a bloody thing, no matter how hard I try, he finally said. Been living on porter. Anything else, and my stomach just heaves at it. What? Nothing at all? she asked, feigning concern.